What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi, friends. This is Odd and Rags from Frau Pau. <laughs> we have some really exciting news. We're now sponsored by 808 Roller Skate. Woo! Yay! So 808 Roller Skate is owned by two amazing people, Half Pint Hellfire and Hijinx, and they are located on 405 Route 17 at Monroe, New York. And if you are like most people in our lives and don't live in New York, by all means, check them out on 808rollerskate.com. It's 808rollerskate.com. And basically, they have all your roller derby, roller sport needs. You need new wheels? Check them out. You need new pads? Check them out. Need some fun socks? They got it. Need helmets? They're pretty awesome. New boots, new whatever you need for roller derby or other roller sports. They got you covered. And they're super nice and very helpful if you go in and tell them sort of what you are thinking about doing in roller derby and what your level experience is and what your budget is. Um, They'll sit down with you and show you a lot of different options that will fit your feet. Right. They're just super informative and know their shit. So go check them out at 808rollerskate.com. Welcome to Frau Pal. We're your host, Auden Rags. And this week we get to interview a very lovely, beautiful human who's in the studio with us. Yay! Uh, So this week we will be interviewing Kara, who is an indie filmmaker, writer, personal trainer, and strong woman competitor. That's how I met her. Uh, She was the nice one who talked to me. She was the first person to talk to me at my strong woman competition. Uh, that's me fangirling. Anyway, her original web series, Asher, is about an exorcist for hire battling her own addictions and personal demons, as well as the dark forces threatening to destroy all of New York. It's an exploration of how to become a hero for oneself and for others in an era of chaos and change. Kara herself battled depression and anxiety from high school through college and into her mid-20s. Both her artistic and training careers, as well as her passion for strong women, were born out of aggressive self-improvement models she developed for herself. She believes in extreme ownership, radical positivity, and an anti-fragile attitude are gateways to personal fulfillment and success. So before we go any further with the interview, we're just going to give a trigger warning that we are going to talk about uncomfortable topics such as depression, suicide, anxiety, so on and so forth. So if this is not what you're feeling today, by all means, skip ahead, turn us off, go read a book, go take a bath, and come back to us when you're ready. So, Kara, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, hi, my name is Kara. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Yeah, I'm of very course. excited. Uh, I am born and raised in Arlington, Virginia, and Washington, D.C., and I moved to New York in 2007. Uh, for acting school when I was 18 years old and I never went back. 
I got out of acting school and I was very depressed for lots of different reasons. Um, and in the aftermath of getting out of acting school and working lots of crappy jobs, I had kind of multiple revelations about what I needed to do with myself uh, in order to enjoy my life. Um, you know, I will preface everything I say in the rest of the interview with, I am not remotely a mental health professional <laughs> and nothing I say is to be taken as advice, but I'm sure some of the stuff that I went through will be relatable to people. So if it, of course, you know, is inspiring or helps or whatever. Awesome. That's great. Um, this is why we tell these stories. Yeah. This is why we tell these stories. Cause, cause it, a, a lot of these issues, anxiety, depression can be very isolating. Um, isolation is a huge problem. Loneliness is a huge problem. Um, that Especially whether, in New York City. Oh yeah. Um, to rewind, uh, when I was coming out of college, like I went to this very weird acting school. I was there for three years. I learned a lot. Parts of it were very cool. Parts of it were very uh, volatile. And it was like a lot of older failed actors asking very vulnerable teenagers to dig into their own psyches and mm -hmm. just try to pull them out and use that for art. Uh, which like, again, is a very kind of crazy thing to ask, like mm -hmm. somebody that you don't actually know that well. And again, that you're not, that you're responsible for, but again, like you're not, these teachers were not equipped to handle kind of a lot of the stuff that they were asking us to do. Right. And I saw people have like crazy, like trauma flashbacks and like mm -hmm. all kinds of weird shit. Well, Cause you're ripping these wounds that you like dug deep into yourself to just stay there so you can keep yourself healthy and sane. Yes. You're digging them back up. You're fleshing them again and yes. making and I didn't them even bleed. Go to a school like my school wasn't for anyone who's not super familiar with like what acting school is like. Like there's lots of different schools of acting. Um there's method acting, which is like, you know, what Daniel Day Lewis does where you you're gonna be a cobbler. Oh, I'm gonna go and live as a cobbler for a year. I'm gonna be a heroin addict. Oh, I'm gonna go be a heroin addict for a year. That's not the kind of school that I went to. Um a lot of it was this technique called Meisner that's based on trying to authentically listen and be present and react, which I think is a great model, but things would still get very weird and you would still have teachers kind of playing this like half psychologist, half professor role where they'd be asking you to break down your walls more and more and more mm -hmm. and be more vulnerable. And while in retrospect, I can appreciate what they were getting at from like an artistic perspective, they were also not providing the resources to like handle the stuff that that brought up for a lot of people right so yeah, anyway anyway i came out of acting school and i had no idea what i wanted to do i had kind of lost my my joy for acting and so i had already kind of gotten a side job at a bar fast forward like two and a half three years and i'm still at that bar and i'm not doing anything else i'm chain smoking i'm drinking my ass off at least three to four nights a week um and not very much else and that led to series of shitty relationships. And it kind of got to a point where I got out of a terrible relationship and I realized that nothing in my life reflected anything good about me. And I realized that I had not asserted control over anything in my life and everything around me was toxic and that I had to do something or I was going to die at some point. So like, how did you come to that? Um, like that seems like a really big revelation to have. I mean, it took me, I mean, I've been through like school about mental health and like in therapy for over 10 years and it still took me a long time to get to a point to have something like that happen. That's a good question. Well, I would say it was kind of a combination of things. Um, at that point I was still pretty aggressively like 
I'd started journaling in college, actually at the suggestion of one of my teachers, which ended up being a very helpful skill. And it helped me. I started it as a tool to become a better actor and it ended up becoming a process by which I started learning to observe my own thoughts mm-hmm. and kind of co- learning to observe them and comment on them and understand like what they were expressing about myself. Um, in 2012, I got out of a, a very emotionally manipulative relationship with somebody who I wouldn't necessarily... Hmm, they had problems with alcohol. I, I think they had an undiagnosed mental disorder. Um, and we had an altercation where like things didn't get explicitly violent, but they very easily could have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then I found out they were lying about a bunch of stuff. And it was like multiple things in a row that were just like slaps in the like face. Like com- compounded on top of each other. Yeah, exactly. So they all, and they all kind of snowballed into one where I, I just remember kind of like coming to my senses one day and just realizing that this had to stop or it was going to go somewhere terrible. Um, and I actually don't remember there being like a specific moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of like a gradual sense of waking up. I mean, that's a kind mm-hmm. of a metaphor a lot of people like to use for various different things, but it really was. It was like a coming to an awareness that I and only I could get myself out of what my life was at the time. Um, and But I didn't like, I didn't have really any career skill sets beyond acting and bartending. I didn't know how to turn acting into a job yet. I didn't have the self-esteem to, I didn't have the drive to. Um, so I kept bartending for a little while longer, but, and, but around that same time I was like, okay, well, I don't really know what to do about my, my career yet. I don't really know what to do about acting yet. Like what is one thing like every day that I can do to assert some kind of control? Well, I can do a plank. Well, I can do some air squats. I can do a push-up. Okay, tomorrow I can do two. And I ended up, because I was kind of introverted at the time and also had a ton of anxiety about like learning and kind of putting myself out there, I didn't like try to get a personal trainer or join a gym or anything. I just like read a shitload of blogs and found I found several that were ended up being really helpful that I read to this day. Um, and one of them had a really great uh, at-home calisthenics routine that was mm-hmm. like as basic as you can get. It was like, do 10 squats, do a plank, do some high knees and a few other things, set a timer and do that as many times as you can. So I, I would do that like every day or every other day. So you were like, weren't really into exercise or lifting no, before this point. Not at all. Okay. I, I literally thought that like only boys had muscles that you couldn't do anything to change your body. Like it was just like, that's just the body you have. And it's just set that way forever what a long way you have come yeah Yeah, i was like and this is the point where everyone should go to instagram and look at pictures of kara at captain starbuck on instagram because she is a muscly babe oh stop thank you um well and and this is something that i'm i'm really i'm glad i get to talk about because i feel like i actually don't get opportunities to talk about it very much but i am literally like a chain-smoking couch potato who managed to get very fit mm-hmm. um, through like scrappiness and some like weird situations. Um, like I'm, I, I was not, you know, an athlete growing up. I played some sports as a kid, you know, I was active, but high school through college, like I didn't do anything physical. I very much felt like sort of a disembodied head in a jar. Like I had no relationship to my body. I didn't like feel connected to it at mm-hmm. all. It was like, I couldn't even remember like what it felt like to be in my body at that time. I was so like disassociated. Um, and exercise made me feel like, oh, well, this is something not only that I can control, but it's something that makes me feel different. And now I know that like when you exercise hard, you 
turn on all of these different neurochemicals. So you're mm -hmm. literally changing your internal neurochemical like state. You're basically doing natural drugs. Um, yeah. And in, also in retrospect, I realized that like hard exercise, it made me realize that I, I could change my inner emotional internal state. I wasn't doomed to just feel depressed all the time. Mm -hmm. When I was exercising, I could feel something different. And not only that, I could quantify my improvement on something and being able to improve on something gives you a lot of self-confidence. Right. Uh, and mm -hmm. the more you can build on, and I, you know, I knew that I didn't know what I was doing. So I built really slowly. I didn't try to do stuff that was like way out there. It, again, like it was really straightforward. It was like do some no, no like snatches and, and everything. No, 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 like complicated gymnastics or handstands or anything like flashy. <laughs> it was, it was, it was about as basic as you can get. People have very limited ideas about like what their bodies are capable of doing and how much that plays into not only like your general self esteem, maybe about the way that you look, uh, but the way that you your body feels can fundamentally change, mm -hmm. and it's really amazing. And yeah, cool. That's why I love it. I agree. I definitely love it. And I mean, we're, we both compete in strong women. So like, I definitely see where you get off on it essentially because it's those endorphins. Totally. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, for me, like competing is very much, um, it's a lot like performing to me. It's mm -hmm. like the feeling that I get on, on competing is very similar to like being on stage or being on film set. It's like that you get the cool chemical rush, you get the adrenaline dump. It's super fun. Mm hmm. Uh, anyone who's never seen a strongman contest, I really encourage you to go to one, even if you have no interest in lifting otherwise, just because it is bananas. It is so great. Everybody cheers for each other. And, you know, while we may be competing against each other, we're definitely just competing against ourselves. Yeah, it's, it is hands down like one of the friendliest sports out there. Uh, and you'll see like just wild stuff. Like you'll see a 120 pound woman, you know, deadlift 400 pounds. Mm -hmm. you'll, you'll see a, a guy, you know, like your brother's size, I don't know, just like kind of normal looking guy. And it's like, oh, he's picking up 800 pounds on his back and walking with it. Like, yep. It's so cool. It's so awesome. So how did you end up going from this person who was exercising in her like apartment, I'm assuming, yeah, to was. being like, you know, in strong women competitions, like this like crazy strong person? So, the The literal path was I got kind of in shape from what I was doing. I liked what I was seeing. And because I was starting to improve this one part of my life, I started applying that outward to other areas. I started eating better or like learning how to cook because I didn't really know how to cook. Um, and I got to a point where I was like, man, like I really should quit smoking and drinking so much. But I knew that wasn't going to happen if I stayed, if I kept bartending. Um, environment is a huge contributor to your habits. And if you stay in the same environment, it is like your chances of changing your habits are not impossible but they're not great like there's a very interesting study about a bunch of vietnam veterans um a ton of whom used a crap load of heroin while they were in vietnam and they came back and almost all of them got off heroin like instantly um no withdrawals like they were fine and, and that kind yeah. of ran very contrary to the narrative about heroin that it's this super drug that will just have make you addicted for life no it was the stress of being in a horrific war zone mm -hmm. <laughs> that made them use heroin anyway uh so i so i finally kind of was like all right i want to get out of bartending how do i do this a young lady, shout out Tanya, uh, who I worked with at a bar job, had a job at Equinox uh, doing uh, front desk stuff or something. And so one day I just texted her um, and was she was no longer at the bar job. She left. And I just randomly texted her like I did not even know this girl very well. We like worked together a handful of times, just thought she was cool. Um, and I asked her if she knew of anybody who was hiring in a gym. Um, and she did. And I got a job at working the front desk at a bougie Upper East Side gym. Um, and 
talked to the training manager who is a really super nice guy. And I was like, listen, I really want to be a trainer because I need to make money doing just something different. And I think I could be good at this. And uh, he helped me do that. Uh, they opened a new location farther downtown. Um, I became one of the trainers who opened that gym. Uh, it was called David Barton. Uh, it no longer exists. It liquidated overnight one night. I remember that post. A few years ago, I literally showed up to work at 6 a.m. and the gym had a paper note on the door that said, sorry, we're closed forever. Um, but all my clients pretty much stayed with me and I went independent. And um, so at that point, I'd been lifting for a few years. While I was a baby personal trainer at David Barton downtown, I had continued to lift. Uh, but I knew that my lifting at the time was really just focused on getting as strong as I possibly could. And because I didn't really know anybody in the lifting community, I didn't really know anybody who power lifted or did any lifting sports. So I found a gym nearby that was a strongman gym. Um, it was only a couple blocks away. So I joined it and I was deadlifting in the corner one day. And this guy, Chad Cantor, came up to me and was like, you look really strong. Do you want to try strongman? And I said, yes. And he was training my, my now friend, uh, Caitlin, who is a pro lightweight strong woman. And we all started chatting and I signed up for my first competition immediately and competed a month later. And once I did that, it was like, I'm, I'm all in like first blood is like, this is all I want now. It was <laughs> yeah. awesome. And then I did my second show, like another two months later. And it just kind of grew from there. Like once I started competing and I think probably the 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 biggest two things were that I didn't have any frame of reference for what the norm was within the sport. So there was no cap on anything. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what women like could or could not air quote do. So it was just like, oh, like I wonder how strong I can get. And there yeah. didn't seem to me and there isn't really any limit. And that was incredibly appealing to me. So I am I'm curious, like how um, how your mental health has sort of um been in this journey so you started talking about like being anxious and depressed and then you know you started exercising and feeling like more autonomy over your body so how has that sort of journey been since you started exercising and sort of getting rid of all these like bad habits so i will definitely give a huge amount of credit to the therapist that i saw for about 8 months the summer fall when before I got that first gym job, that was when I, I had left my long term bar job. I was kind of bouncing around bars. I, I knew that I was kind of leaping off the edge and trying to make huge changes. And that was like the worst my depression ever got. And that's, I think, a really important lesson is that when you're trying to change every part of your life, it's going to be fucking terrifying. And every single part of your mind is going to resist it on some level. Um, so I was I was just very, very scared. And I had, you know, very little support. Um, I didn't like know what I was doing. Um, so I went to this therapist for a couple months and she was really great. And she really, it was just like pretty straightforward talk therapy. And it just really helped ground me and give me some good feedback. And it was definitely a great process. So if you've never been to a therapist, check it out. Um, <laughs> it helps a lot of people. Well, so I have, a, I have more questions about this. Um, so I'm like on that sort of like talking about uh, your relationship with your body um, like how, I guess, like how has your body, your relationship with your body changed, but also like how people view your body? Not that that's important, but I feel like as, um, a lifter that kind of comes up a lot. When it comes to my internal perception of like how my body feels in the day to day, I feel like a 
very tightly wound like metal spring that could just smack the shit out of anybody at any given moment under any circumstances. And, and I mean that in a good way. It's <laughs> a very quick, weird analogy. I was like, if I said that about myself, I would mean it in a very bad way. <laughs> like I, I, I think it depends on my day. <laughs> like when you get to a point where you can move hundreds and hundreds of pounds, like shit just doesn't bother you anymore for, or for, doesn't bother me anymore. And it just gives you a lot of, appreciation for how much just your own willpower can do so there's been a very direct correlation to just my overall personal physical confidence um i know that that definitely seeps into the way that i carry myself the way that i walk um i definitely will get like kind of funny and usually well-meaning kind of awkward comments like usually like if i go to i don't know a cocktail party or something where people would will be like, oh, so like you like do the CrossFit and you probably lift really well. Oh my gosh, I haven't been to the gym in months. And I like, I didn't even ask you anything. <laughs> You're just projecting a whole bunch of insecurities onto me. I really do that comment. <laughs> Which is really interesting though, because it's, you know, it's seeing a visibly muscular woman is still a fairly out of the ordinary mm-hmm. thing, I would say in most parts of the world. Yes. Or at least in New York, I guess. Um, and, you know, I do spend a lot of time in gyms, so I kind of forget that what I look like is not the default um, in a lot of people's eyes. Um, so it, it's just kind of like interesting and, and curious to me and I get it and, I, and it doesn't really bother me. Um, you know, I have a great personal hope that our cultural standards for physicality will continue to expand and that muscularity in anybody is just like a given. Like you don't attribute any qualities to them. It's just like, oh yeah, you're a human body and you're physical and you're powerful. Like, of course you are. Why wouldn't you be? I think that's a much more positive spin than what I was expecting to hear. Just because, I don't know, we talk about this sometimes mm-hmm. just with like being fairly active people or just like, I mean, I feel like almost any woman um, that, you know, trying to like buy clothes is so difficult. And mm. I think I would imagine, I mean, I also, I read in a blog once that <laughs> um, about this woman who's like a professional, like strong woman, I think, um, or some type of lifter she designed her own clothing line because she got sick of having to like she just Mm. couldn't fit into anything because her legs are like amazing and ginormous but her you know her hip like her waist is so small and so she couldn't like you know her larges are too large yeah there's a reason why i wear a belt on every single pair of pants i own i know i I mean i I get around that issue by working in a gym so i can basically (laughs) wear pajamas to work like i wear yoga pants and sweatpants and t-shirts so it's like fortunately for me i don't have to worry about going into the office and like having uncomfortable office (laughs) lucky you fit work oh yeah seriously that's that sounds terrible um I, i i will say like i will i have noticed this in in male colleagues particularly ones that i don't know very well this kind of um, actually not even just men, but people who unconsciously, I think, are intimidated by taller, muscular women defensively make like very silly jokes to like try to disarm me and them. Like they'll be like, oh, it's Kara. Like she can lift so much more than me or, oh, it's Kara. Don't pick a fight with her. And it's like, dude, I don't fight. Like <laughs> the fact that I lift weights has literally no bearing on my martial capacity. Like from a technical standpoint, like you should see me take boxing class. It's like, I like it, but it's kind of hilarious. And isn't your partner a fighter too? My, he is. Uh, my boyfriend, Mark is a retired Muay Thai fighter who has graciously tried to teach me at times. And I, and I have tried to keep up and it's very cool, but it's a very, very different yeah. thing. Getting hit in the face is very scary. 
It no, is. don't like yeah. it. No. Weights, weights don't try to hit you back usually. <laughs> I, I disagree. Occasionally. Um, Occasionally. So not usually. I grew up in a dojo. So my dad's a sixth grade black belt. So I grew up fighting and then I, you know, I became a weightlifter. So I get, I do get those. But then I get people who are like, yo, don't piss her off. Like she'll fight you. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm a, I'm 130 pounds. I will fight you and I, I will, will fuck you. your day up. But like, let's not preface I all interactions you. with that. Okay, like, that's not but, my only defining quality. But also, <laughs> as someone who's seen her like fucking laser eyes go off, and then like, <laughs> like it is really terrifying. <laughs> I mean, and also very comforting as a person like who what wasn't like that wasn't being on the receiving end. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's funny too. I've definitely noticed in the last few years, and part of it is just like a. I've been in New York for 11 years, so my general tolerance for bullshit is almost non-existent. Um, so, like, you know, you put up with enough crap, like, you just start to become, like, a little bit more aggressive. Yeah. Um, and that, in conjunction with becoming much, much stronger and developing my physical capacity, I have noticed that, like, the way I interact with people on the street is different, um, and people react to me differently. Um, and I've had people, like, con- like catcalling occasionally sometimes, but not very much, lately at least. Um, but I have had people like get in my face um, and I've just like pushed them out of the way. And that's really cool. And like not even like, like thinking about it. I just hit like, me, bro. Well, they, they would like I've had like recently a guy just kind of like stepped into my path and like raised his arm. Not fast. I don't think he was trying to hit me. I think he was trying to maybe stop me. I don't know. I didn't wait to find out. I just like <laughs> I just like smacked his arm out of the way and kept walking. And like five years ago, I would. I'd never have done that. I probably right. would have like yeah. frozen up. So going back to just how you view your body. So um, I know off the air, we were talking, uh, you kind of brought up that you wanted to talk about, you know, muscularity and body image and everything. Mm. So do you, how do you perceive yourself or do you perceive yourself as feminine? Jacked as fuck. What? <laughs> <laughs> Jacked as fuck feminine. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, it's funny. I like, I went through like a very, I would say when I like realized I was bi, I went through a phase where I just dated women and I was like, okay, I only wear t-shirts and I only wear button downs and jeans. And like, this flannels, is also flannels in the winter. Yeah, flannels in the winter for sure. Um, and at the time I had shorter hair and I definitely had more of like, and I'd always kind of had like a tomboy streak. So I kind of, I, I tried with that for a while. Uh, I did kind of find that like the more muscular and the bigger I got, the more feminine I dressed. And it was kind of an unconscious really? thing. But I also think that was because like as an adult, generally, I've become a lot more comfortable with just being seen as a sexual being and like having healthy sexual relationships. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a little bit. It's just kind of a mood thing now. Like some days it's just like T-shirts and hoodies and baggy pants. And some days it's like tight leather dress. That's yeah. really so funny because like changes. when I cut my hair short, like initially I also would just dress like ultra feminine, especially with like earrings, like because, you know, the rest of my body wouldn't give it away mm-hmm. or like my demeanor. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, it's a weird thing that happens or like, I don't know. Anyway, I no, can talk totally, about that forever. Totally. But no, absolutely. And like same things kind of when I shaved my head many years ago, it was kind of the same thing. I was like, I need to thumb it up a little bit mm-hmm. for, just, just for balance. Just just in case but I, I like forget. that. I, I like to have things in balance. Like, yeah, I can be very extreme, but I'll also be extreme in the opposite direction. Uh, so we wrap it up. Do you have anything else that you would like to add? <gasps> Ooh. Ooh. Um, Shameless self-promotion. Oh, shit. Yes. Shameless self-promotion. Uh, I'm a filmmaker. I have a web series. It's called Asher. Uh, it is about an exorcist for hire who's also an army veteran. Um, this show is about five episodes long. It is completely independently produced. It is on YouTube for free. Um, there's five episodes so far of the first season. 
season two is about to start. Um, I would encourage I, this show was very much born out of my like early childhood life inspirations and then also TV that I really liked later in life. So like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, X-Men comics, uh, mm-hmm. True Detective, uh, The Evil Dead. Um, I love fantasy, sci-fi and horror. Um, the archetypes that a lot of the characters manifest as were very strong role models for me growing up. So like I didn't know that women could have muscles until I saw Sarah Connor doing pull-ups in her <laughs> mental ward cell in Terminator 2. And that blew my young mind um, and stuff like that. I was like, man, like I wish I'd seen even more of that when I was mm-hmm. a kid. And so this show is kind of a way to give that back to other people um, and to present like a female protagonist um, who might play um, who is strong because she literally works out all the time. So like we have gym montages, of mm-hmm. course, and then she has very strong willpower and that's why she's able to be an exorcist and cast out demons. And uh, and the story is kind of about her dealing with her own issues. She's, you know, not a super balanced person. She's a little bit of a loner um, and she uncovers this conspiracy where these this demon cult is trying to possess New Yorkers uh, in very nefarious ways. So it's really fun. Um, it's like TV scary. It's not like super horrific scary. <laughs> um, but I encourage everybody to check it out. How do we find it? AsherTheSeries.com or AsherTheSeries on Instagram. And that will be up on our page. And Fantastic. Thanks for listening to us interview Kara. Um, hopefully you can find some nuggets of wisdom Um Maybe you yourself will soon become radically positive and take on an anti-fragile attitude and, you know, better yourself somehow. That's a hope, at least. Uh, (laughs) If you want to find Kara's writings, you can find them at barben.com. That's B-A-R-B-E-N-D.com. TheCaraBrennan.com. That's T-H-E-C-A-R-A-B-R-E-N-N-A-N.com. Did you want to? I just wanted to also add that if you are in the New York City area, I am a personal trainer. So if you have any queries or questions or you want to work out or you just want to field some info, please feel free to DM me on Instagram and reach out. And what's your Instagram handle? Captain Starbuck. There you go. Uh, and again, if you want to watch your show, it's AsherTheSeries.com. A-S-H-E-R-T-H-E Series.com. Uh, if you want to send us cat pics reach out to us do whatever you can find us at frau pal podcasts on instagram and facebook or email us at frau pal podcast at gmail.com and remember that if you love us please let us know officially and rate and subscribe we love seeing you guys comment and tell us how much you love us um because we're needy and emotional but also because (laughs) it it makes us feel like we're actually doing something and we're not the only ones that listen Show your love. And with that said, don't don't be a dick. dick.